Welcome to the Cap City Offers Podcast. This is episode 225. You've got Chris and Brian, and this time around, we're going to talk about a recent pistol-focused um, training event. Chris was able to attend. Uh, I was not there, but I'll provide some color commentary Absolutely. on the drills and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, we'll just get into it. Absolutely. Um, guys, some of the stuff we've done you know, previously, I don't, I don't know the name of the drill, but we started off with running... Um, you know, basically, you're you've got two targets. You're this is called bunny stacks. There you go, bunny. There you go, bunny stacks. So you're starting off. What uh, we are probably at ten yards, uh, and you're you're running this as fast as you can run it to make the hits. And so we kind of randomized how we were running it each time. But you would run a couple runs of like say two to the body, two to the head on the opposite target, two to the head on the first target, and then two to the body on the second target. Kind of mentality. Um, and we do that a couple times and then the next time up you'd switch out and you'd run maybe two to the head, two to the body, and then two to the head, two to the body on target two. And just basically getting you to do two things. Number one, visually transition from one. Well, number one, get out of the holster fast and make the hit where you need to make the hit. So if that's a head shot, what confirmation do you need? If it's a body shot or a nasal shot, what confirmation do you need? And then in the transition aspect, visually running from the, you know, the head to the A zone is not a big transition if it's on the same target but running from maybe the head to the A zone on the opposite target is a decent visual transition because the targets are about a meter apart, give or take. Um, but so it's the visual aspect of getting from target to target, putting two shots on the target. Um, the two shot aspect of that, you know, kind of lets you define, can I just send a pair or do I need to get that, that two or three confirmation depending on whether it's head or body or whatever, or is one or zero good enough? Um, depending on what gun you're running and how good you are with that gun, etc. Um, a lot of visual transitions and a lot of changing up how quickly you can engage, how quickly you can be on the trigger for the second shot, depending on how big the target was. Yeah, whether it's predictive or reactive. Exactly. And so, um, and I would say that at 10 yards, trying to run A zones, you know, on a body is is damn near reactive. There might be just a little bit of that, hey, am I, is, my, is my dot not precisely in the exact spot I want, but is the dot in, in kind of middle-ish on the target and a little bit high? Uh, versus on the head, it's it's you know you've really got to settle in. Yeah, especially if you're shooting for the credit card, the yep. the A zone in the head becomes a my dot is no longer moving, it is stable. Yeah, and the trigger press has to be really good. Exactly. So you know, so if you're going to that point, we were running it, we were really treating it more as the credit card down to the neck. So that's probably a four by four. Yeah, three by four, something like that. Uh, we were kind of treating it as that sized A zone. Um, but again, the push on this was, was to, was to be on the gas, was to run it as hard as you could run it and, and maybe find a failure point and then back off from that a little bit. Um, because you know, so you get the draw stroke out of the drill. You also get the transition from target to target visually out of the drill. You also get the, where do I need to go with how much sights do I need and how much trigger do I need? Um, out of the drill, but then finally it's also like running doubles because you're basically running eight shots. You're yeah. running, you know, four sets of pairs. You're just running them instead of just at a cadence, you're running them as fast as you can run them, as fast as you can visually run them. So, you know, I, I think this is, um, you know, the, uh, we do a lot of stuff like this and we keep harping on doubles. This is just a version of running doubles because it gives you it's, feedback if you're doing stupid stuff. Yeah, you're just, all, we're, you're just applying doubles with transitions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so again, you know, it lets you know if you're doing stupid stuff. Um, it lets you know if your grip's out of whack. It lets you know if you didn't get a good grip on the draw stroke, and then from there, some other stuff too. Um, you know, th so th this was this was kind of a, I won't say it was a warm up. It was just the first drill we ran to kind of push that a little bit. 
Um, and, 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 and everybody but me did just fine with it. I don't know why I was, I know why I found out later why I was struggling. I was wearing contacts and my right contact lens had come out at some point. Oh, that's and my, my eyesight's not bad enough that I really noticed that necessarily. Um, and I just kept feeling like, wow, you know, I, and it's a new type of contact lens I don't normally wear. So I attributed it to being new contact lenses. And by the time I got, by the time I got home, well, on the way home, I went to pop my contacts out and put my glasses on before I drove home um, because it was getting dark and they were bugging me. And I realized, crap, I don't think I have a right contact in. So I don't know. I, I, that's, that's the best excuse I could come up with for how poorly I shot. Um, but I still had fun. Uh, so we went from running um, bunny stacks to, to doing a little bit of movement, trying to get some visual barriers with some movement involved. And so we basically took the same, we were running, you know, two sets of guys on the line at a time running bunny pairs um, and just bouncing back and forth between each guy. Um, we left the same four targets up about a yard apart, center to center kind of thing or shoulder to shoulder kind of thing. Um, and set up targets diagonally. If you're on, you know, looking downrange toward the targets on the left-hand side of the range, we put a couple of barrels at about 10, 12 yards, somewhere around there. And we put a couple of barrels in the middle of the array, halfway in between, so seven-ish, eight-ish, something like that, and then a couple of barrels at like five. And the idea was really not tactical use of cover so much as competition use of a visual barrier to force vision transitions from target to target to target. So you started off the barrel, you went up to it, and basically started with what you could see and just try to transition around the targets. And then you move to the next barrel, did the same thing, moved to the next barrel, did the same thing. Um, we had a couple guys who were kind of maybe pushing to conserve ammo a little bit. So they were running singles on each target from each position. Uh, a couple guys wanted the, wanted the double aspect of it. So they were running doubles uh, later on in the drill. Um, we ran this from far to near to the targets. And then we also ran it the other way to kind of give people some practice with that spatial awareness of where the muzzle of the gun's pointing as you're moving up range, as you're moving the wrong way with the gun um, from a square range safety perspective. Um, had some guys working sole, had some guys working, you know, just with the muzzle uh, pointed into a corner kind of thing as they're moving. And then had some guys do, you know, just the, hey, I'm going to keep this pointed to the backstop and look like a goofball when I run, um, which tactically is probably not the best thing in the world, but from a competitive standpoint might be what you end up doing, might be the fastest thing for you to do. Whatever yeah, the case may be. definitely keep you from getting DQ'd. Bingo. And that's, that's you know, if, and if you're doing this for the game, that's part of the game. Um, but anyway, we did that with movement in both directions, but chasing the visual aspect of, hey, there's another target. Hey, there's another target. Hey, there's another target. Um, not necessarily the, hey, I'm staying an arm's length or two back from cover. I'm pieing this and moving it slowly. It was something where we were pushing to go fast. Um, and, and fast for, you know, fast for me is differential from fast for some of the other guys um one of the guys in our group is uh is a dude who moves really well he's a little bit younger and he shoots really well and he was running this drill probably about 50 percent fat about a third of a third faster than i was so i was running at 50 percent longer than him <laughs> however you want to look at it <laughs> i like he yeah. was running a third faster than me than i was running at 50 percent slower than him because it sounds better but either way um, you know, and so it's just a matter of where you're at with that. Uh, he's, he does some USPSA. So that was really his mentality about how he was training for this. And we wanted to focus on the visual transition from target to target to target, not necessarily the tactical aspect of how do I pie a corner? Um, I think that if you can probably transition to target, target, target really fast and see what you need to see, where's the target at, where's the spot I want to be on the target, engage it and go to the next target quickly probably lends itself to slowing down and doing a search corner to corner to corner 
If yeah. you can visually process fast, then you can pro probably visually process slow doing a search. So I think it does apply. It's just a different variant or a different way to do it. Yeah, this is one of those things where there's no way to go faster than you've trained. Yeah. But if you've trained to do this really fast, then slowing it down isn't necessarily hard. That's what it I was It just takes for. a lot of discipline yeah. to slow it down. Yeah. Um, yeah, this gets into the kind of the modern, more modern approach to room, doing things with rooms from yeah. the entryway. Yeah. Where you're doing 45, 90, 45. Yeah. Um, for you guys that understand what that is, uh, it will probably make a lot of sense. If you don't, I'm pretty sure that is open source and Googleable. Yeah. Or DuckDuckGoable. Yeah. Um, so look it up, and we'll just leave it at that. Bingo. So, um, so anyway, chasing chasing visual transitions and trying to move the feet. Um, this also brought into con, you know, kind of that stark contrast of guys that want to move. Um, the like gun kata mentality where you come into a position hot and your guns tucked in and then you do the theatrical press out and do work kind of thing um, versus coming into where you're going to shoot from with the gun up level sights at eye level look visually looking for a target and be able to just kind of drive the gun into the target and start shooting um, and we talked about that a little bit we also talked a little bit about the idea that you know we're not pine corners here we're using it as a visual barrier um, also a little bit of conversation around how far off the cover do you want to be from a USPSA perspective you're put in a position where you have an artificial box you have to stand in and that visual barrier you have to shoot around maybe you know maybe off your shoulder literally at that point so you've really got to lean out and stick your hands out past a point of cover or a point of yeah. concealment that you might not want to do out in the real world it might get you killed in the streets blah 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 but there was this was you know hey we're using barrels stay back off of them and do your thing or don't or get up close to them and run the gun close to them because in a match that's what you're going to do whatever we kind of left that as a shooter's choice thing but again the push was not to was not as tactical cover as bullet stop cover this was as a visual barrier to finding the next target and doing that that visual transition can i make my eyes search find it find the small spot and then put a bullet in it quickly or two bullets in it quickly. However, yeah. however the drill went. So however you chose to run it in this one. Yeah, a lot of the, so to take a step back on this, yes. a lot of the footwork and where you are and how much you have to lean and how uncomfortable this gets yeah. is ends up being based on the fault lines that are applied. So if there yes. are no fault lines, like the real world, yeah, um, you can, you have a lot more freedom and flexibility in how you position yes. kind of where your hips are ending up at how you're able to lean out, exactly how much you can lean out. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as the fault line gets applied that you have to stay inside of, then they're general, the fault lines are generally placed such to make you feel very off-balanced yes. and in awkward positions, um, which completely changes the game. And there's a confidence conversation too, right? So let's say you hit that fault line and you're leaning out over it to get that last shot, but you're going to move to another position. You may very well take that shot with your body weight and center of gravity outside the fault knowing you're gonna you're in you got, you're taking you the next shots and it's you just gonna, haven't touched out. yet yeah, yeah you just haven't touched yet so if you screw one of them up you're gonna have to put a foot down step back in the fault line and lose a whole bunch of time like like losing a match amount of time yeah kind it, of thing it's like the national felons league where they yep. they catch the the round the, the oblong, oblong ball yeah. yep, yep. and they have to put a foot inside the green area before it touches yeah. the white area or yeah something like drag that. it or touch it or yeah. something or maybe it's two toes 
Well, if it's I don't you know like if one it's foot the or professional two feet college or, sports ball, then it's one toe, and if yeah, it's, yeah, something like if that. If it's the National Falcons League, it's yeah. the two toes. Yeah, 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 something like that. Anyway, you go. You, and again, if you don't understand what we're saying, then you're probably one of us. And if you do understand what we're saying, then you still might be one of us. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- so that you know, when you make things, when you put artificial things in like that, then you push the gaming end of it, and. With USPSA, like Brian was saying, they the whole point of those fault lines is to make you off balance, is to make you do awkward things, um, and to you know as a challenge to see who can do the awkward things the fastest, the bestest. Uh, and again, a lot of this is can I shoot as I'm coming into position visually, if there were a fault line there, and then can I also shoot as I'm going out of position? How cl- how far away is the target? How precise does the shot need to be? Can I get a double as I'm essentially? stepping out of the box but haven't stepped out of it yet kind of yeah. thing um kind of mentality versus hardcover where the fault line is you placing meat where the bad guy can put a bullet in it before your gun sights muzzle and eye are on the bad guy where you can put a bullet in him um and he always has the advantage yeah almost so yeah that's why the best guys in the world on both the gaming and tactical side come in with their muzzles up bingo come in hot ready to go because looking yep. like you belong in a michael bay movie might get you killed in the streets mm-hmm. but there's a lot of cool guy points there so you know i guess it's up to you <laughs> you know what, what rule number one always look good always look cool so uh so anyway we we'll did be, we did this for a number of again sorry we'll be sure to put that on the tombstone exactly <laughs> i like that little little quote there um, so we did this a number of runs just to kind of get, you know, heart pumping, get you thinking, get you moving, etc. Um, going backward, you know, coming away from the targets again, that was part of that drill was to kind of enforce, learn, reinforce muzzle discipline, see where you're pointing, make sure you're safe and everything else. Um, going backward, you know, that's definitely a conversation about the facility you're at, um, the environment you're at, is it supervised, what's allowed, what's not allowed, or are you out in the world? Um, when you're moving, you know, away from a bad guy or away from the direction of that you normally would want bullets to go for whatever reason, tactical impetus or whatever, um, where are your guys at, where are your friendlies at, where are your non-friendlies at, etc. or other than, you know, AYOs unidentified yet, you can't point guns at people that don't need guns pointed at them. Um, you know, so just be aware of that and move how you move. Um, you know, a lot of ranges, if you're allowed to do this kind of thing, if you go muzzle up, that's kind of a no-no at a lot of places because they don't want bullets leaving the range and there's nothing over it to stop them unless there is. So whatever your range rules are, make sure that you're applying those appropriately to your facility and not getting yourselves booted or in trouble there. Um, you know, always think about safety and then always think about, you know, those secondary things that don't really create safety, but make people feel good that you still have to do. Um, but anyway, bear those in this conversation as you're doing it. Uh, but yeah, good good movement, good positional stuff, and then trying to use some visual tracking with all that. And if you treated it as, again, if you treated it as two shots, two shots, two shots, two shots, then you were getting another set of doubles in. Yeah. Yeah, and a reload because it would be a fair amount of shots at that point. So, but anyway, fun stuff. Uh, I don't really have anything else on that one. Like I said, you know, just the usual stuff that we talked about with movement. Come into position with the gun, yeah. stay in control of what you're doing, um, move with alacrity where you can move with alacrity, and then put the brakes on when you need to put the brakes on so you can get where you need to be and not overrun it and stuff like that. Yeah, this is, so uh, having shot these kind of drills in the past, uh, I'm a tall guy with really long legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris is a shorter guy with, with not. not tall, not long legs. Yeah. 
Um, My legs just barely reached the ground. Yeah, our <laughs> our number of steps to get from position to position, yeah, especially with what would be considered a medium distance movement like these, yeah, is completely different. Um, yeah, for somebody with long legs, if you're tall, you might only be taking three or four steps. Yeah. So you're you're literally just walking quickly. Yeah. From position to position, um, because it's actually faster than trying to sprint. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you got shorter legs, um, you know now you're maybe sprinting for a step or two, and yeah. then immediately getting on the brakes. Uh, and it's better to over brake slightly. Yeah. Or maybe slow down a little bit more gradually for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and come into position stable than trying to come into the position completely out of control and then have to get set up yeah. while you're not moving. Exactly. True, true statement. Um, and, and again, we see that a lot with movement stuff um, is, you know, everybody pushing it to get there, but not being able to stop and do work once they're there uh, or not being in a solid position to stop and do work once they're there and things getting sloppy at that point. Um, we see that a lot with ghost stop. Yeah. We see that a lot with ghost stop. The longer the run is, it's almost like, the, the worse the target looks at the end of that run, um, which is always interesting to me. So, yeah. Uh, the next thing we did, uh, this was again push and visual barrier. Um, Brian pointed out to me that this is um, a, a part of probably one of the qualifiers for USPSA, but essentially you start with the visual barrier um, at, and I'm going to say something like 10 yards, and you have uh, four targets downrange. From the visual barrier, you can see the right two targets, but the left two targets you cannot. So the targets directly in front of you are obscured from your view by the visual barrier. So you draw, you engage the first two targets from cover or from an imaginary fault line, whatever the case may be. And then as you go to move to the second, and you're moving diagonally forward from 10 yards to five yards and from the left side of the range to the right. So to the, the two target array on the right, you're moving to a piece of visual barrier there. As you begin to move, you can see the two targets that were directly in front of you on the left of the range that you couldn't see before, so you engage those. So these are all two shots, two shots, two shots, kind of through. Um, wow, seems like there's a theme there. Anyway, um, and so you're seeing those two targets and you're engaging those two targets as you move. And then as you get to the visual barrier again, you're engaging the two targets on the right or all four, however you want to do it, whatever. But again, as that, as that visual tracking from one to the next while keeping cover visual cover or tactical cover however you want to do it otherwise but the idea of this again was to move as quickly as you could move treating it more as a match type event than a pieing a corner kind of event yeah yeah um and like i said this this is part of one of the uspsa qualifiers i don't Classif classifier sorry classifiers and i'm not i'm not one of the i don't do uspsa so i don't know which one this would, would what part of that yeah, what it's called or whatever but, probably probably at least half of the usa classifiers if there's movement involved, have something like this in them. Okay. And so, so that's, that's what we were doing. Um, gives you an opportunity to shoot on the move a little bit because you're relatively close. No big deal. Um, I would say that, that shooting a zones at the distances we were at, we were let, probably 10 yards on the diagonal and or less as you're moving from one to the other. So you're really chasing down what are predictive. Um, you know, these are, or, I mean, these are reactive a zone shots. You're not, yeah. You know, you're not, you're just, you're, if, if your grip's on and you're good to go, and you already made two hits on two other targets, so your grip should have been squared away at this point, even if you had to squish it, even if it wasn't perfect yeah, to you, begin with, you're, you're just punching it out and going, because it's there. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to shoot this with B-class times, the whole thing has to be predictive. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want to go fast, then not, you know, for sure. So well, no, no, predictive is going fast. Okay. Yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're shooting this, like, and if you're reacting to the front sight or oh, to yeah. the dot on yeah. the second shot, yeah. if you're going way too slow the whole time on this. True statement. Um, yeah. If you're not shooting pretty much the entire first four pairs on the move, mm -hmm. um, you're going to be going too slow. Yes. And then that final the final two targets coming in that position. It's close. You're just wrapping and shooting. Yeah. That's, you you got to, I mean, completely burn it down. Um, and maybe you'll make B class. Yeah, and and like I said, the 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 fast guys on this drill, where you know this is a, this is from the draw, engaging the two targets, moving, engaging two targets, and getting to the far piece of cover and engaging two more targets is like for the you know for the for the slow guys was like six seconds, seven seconds maybe for the fast guys was you know it was four seconds. This is a lot of movement, really quick. Do what you need to do. And curiously enough, um, not a lot of mics, not even a lot of D's because of the distances. Yeah. And so at that point we were kind of, I think everybody was kind of honed in on where they could run hard and where they couldn't. And since these were all A zones and all relatively close, everybody was really starting to push it on this one. So it was nice to see the times kind of drop. Every time we did it, everybody got a little bit faster, a little more confident. Um, and occasionally a bullet didn't go exactly where you wanted it, but they, most of them were the, the prank of near misses. Yeah. You know, it's a C, but I'll take it. It's a close C. Yeah, and with something like this, having a really fast close C. Yep. Um, ends up being better from a hit factor perspective yes. than a slightly slower um, A. And there's and I think there's a significant argument from the tactical side of the house too that a close C is good hit on meat and is probably modifying someone's behavior um, you know, so that you can get the second, third, fourth shot quickly yep. or engage the entire, maybe in, in, in the engagement altogether if, if there's some luck on your side. So yeah. depending on angles and whatnot. Um, you know, again, and we, we ran this a, a number of times, kind of pushing things, um, you know, trying to get people to, to just, just run it hard. And, and a couple guys found some failure points and then came back and were able to bring it down just about a half a notch and still do it and do it pretty quickly. Um, a lot of good visual transitions, a lot of good crap. I haven't moved my feet in a couple weeks, maybe doing something like this. And so now I got to move my feet. So let's think about that too. Um, so yeah, just kind of putting some things together. And, and trying to make it all work at once. Um, we had a relatively small group, so it's nice because you gotta run a lot of reps on these. Uh, and we had a couple guys who performed well, so it's fun to watch them and kind of maybe pick up a little bit of, hey, what's this guy doing to shave some time off of this? Um, and then there's just some dudes that are just fast that are just fun to watch too, because I'm not. So uh, Mechanical stuff had just the only weird thing that any of them aware of that anybody had with a weapon system sighting or anything like that i'm running a p365 xl and i had three failures to extract oh and probably 200 rounds um now 1200 1300 rounds guns not never been cleaned and but it's been lubed so maybe it's time to take it apart and clean it so maybe a p365 xl is is that every 500 rounds got to be cleaned gun not the Glock where it's every 5,000, it's gotta be clean yeah. kind of thing. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. I, I am going to strip it um, down and, and clean it real good and see if that makes a difference. Uh, the ammo was a fairly high quality European manufacturer, brass case copper jacketed that I've never had any issues with ever um, in a Glock. Uh, but in this little gun, I don't know. Well, so we'll take it apart and take a look, see what's going on. 
but had three that were spaced throughout the night, not right on top of each other at the end or something like that. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, could be me, who knows? But a failure to extract is almost not a shooter error kind of thing. That's a yeah. That's that's something hinky going on. It could just could just be stupid dirty. Who knows? Could be. Yeah. So yeah, that's the only equipment error issue. Oh, uh, had a aftermarket trigger on a Glock. Shit the bed. Oh. Trigger spring safety failed. Uh, little dingle hopper safety punched forward out of the trigger. Uh, gun was in op. Yeah, sounds like and somebody unglocked their Glock. It's yeah, it's an aftermarket part. I don't know. We did and we didn't couldn't identify the brand of trigger um, on the range. So you know, I don't know about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you put non-Glock parts in Glocks and they don't work, you're unglocking your Glock. Um, and so, thank God, there's a bunch of nerds that run Glock 19s, and we're able to just hand the guy another gun and say, here, use this one and go. Um, and so didn't really change much. But yeah, little yeah. Little, little equipment port there, report there. So yeah, cool. All right. Yeah, that was it, guys. It was fun. Um, we chased each other around and made fools of ourselves, and I shot like a bag of hammers, and it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah on that note, as we come across ideas and things, um, we try to get them posted up to our social media. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook, we're Cap City Outfitters. On Instagram, we're Cap City Outfitters 2. On our website, capcityoutfitters.com. You can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over silencershop.com. Uh, for anybody looking to do Form 1s for SPRs, Silencer Shop makes that really easy now with an electronic Form 1 submission. Uh, so give that a look. Uh, Cur we're currently running to around 20 days to process a non The amnesty is done at this point, but to run non amnesty Form 1s or process in, in about three weeks, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter or send us an email to info at capcityoffers.com. We will add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We are in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louis Fusion Drill. We're here 10 to 5, Tuesday through Friday, and 10 to 3 on Saturdays. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.